The Prayers of Many. Chapter 5. Orchestra. Corporate prayer is like an orchestra playing. Blow the trumpet in Zion. Consecrate a fast. Call a solemn assembly. Gather the people. Consecrate the congregation. Assemble the elders. Gather the children. Even nursing infants. Let the bridegroom leave his room and the bride her chamber. Joel chapter 2 verses 15 to 16. In my study, amongst the books, papers, laptop and so on, I have a small tuning fork. It's the Note A, I believe. I have it there to remind me that as I do my best to serve the church, I am required by the law to make sure that whatever I teach, build, practice, say, display and encourage is all in alignment with both the scriptures and the work of the Holy Spirit. As anyone who has heard a live band can testify, keeping things in tune is vital to a beautiful melody. I love music, nearly all kinds, especially jazz. It's a genre of music that, in my view, most displays the fusion between unbending principles and individual creativity. For jazz to work, the musicians must be in the same key as each other, but jazz gives space for each musician to play off of each other, each one supporting the person who is taking the lead at that time. Not everyone improvises all at once, but rather different musicians take the lead at different parts of the piece. In a symphony... The conductor brings in various instruments at various times. Sometimes a solo piece draws our attention. In Joel, where we read, Blow the Trumpet, there was a distinctive rallying call, if you like, a piece in the symphony inviting the engagement of others rather than applause for the soloist. Sometimes a conductor will seem like he is bringing in every instrument, unleashing a crescendo of great power and emotion, harmonies, rhythms and melodic tunes. This is like Acts 4, when they raised their voices all together, crying out to God. Somehow their prayers were so aligned that the totality of the content and theme could be summarised in one thread. Sovereign Lord who made the heaven. Music, played by multiple musicians, is very much like how a good prayer meeting can and should flow. Emotion, content, same key, same pace, unity and harmony, agreement of content and style... It's interesting that Jonathan Edwards referred to these widespread prayer meetings as a concert of prayer. The musical comparison was not lost on him. Continuing this metaphor further, what are some of the comparisons and applications with music and corporate prayer? Prayer, effective prayer, requires us to be in tune with each other. No discord or disunity. Unity is not firstly about having people geographically in the same place doing the same thing, though at times this may be an expression of the deeper meaning of unity. Neither is unity about papering over issues that need addressing. Unity is instead nurtured through heart agreement, affection, love and honour for the body of Christ. Psalm 133 indicates that such unity is conducive to God initiating blessing. Jesus' main prayer for his church is found in John 17, where Jesus prays repeatedly in several verses that they may be one. Jesus deliberately says this part of his prayer is not only for his small band of current disciples, but for those who will believe in me through their word. He is praying for a future aspect of his church. Such an important theme to him must not pass us by quickly. What matters to him should matter to us also. We also find in Ephesians 4 the encouragement to maintain unity in the church. Paul then gives a broad sweeping overview of what Christ is doing in his universal church. This is worked out in each local church, but Paul's point is clear. Unity in the church matters. One of the best ways to build unity is to pray together. Praying has a way of joining hearts that might not otherwise be joined. 
There will be numbers of different doctrines and practices within local churches, so working out unity is not always easy. It's important for leaders to be clear about the authentic gospel and unite all believers in prayer and mission from a common understanding of the gospel. Then they can pray with a united desire to see the gospel spreading locally, nationally and internationally. Augustine said, In essentials, unity. In non-essentials, liberty. In all things, love. John Wesley, no stranger to disagreement with gospel partners, said, Though we cannot think alike, may we not love alike. May we not be of one heart, though we are not of one opinion. Without all doubt, we may. Herein, all the children of God may unite, notwithstanding these smaller differences. When hearts begin to be softened and turned towards each other, when leaders begin to care for, pray for and desire to see blessing come upon other leaders in other churches, you know then that the ground is being prepared for a more significant moving of the Holy Spirit. A common feature of genuine revival is that unity across a wide range of churches is visible and heartfelt. A softening of hearts leads to listening and appreciating one another, which leads to praying together, and as we pray, God begins to move. I would observe that the further a society moves away from God's good order and changes its moral compass, the more evident the lostness and hopelessness. Eventually, this greater need begins to govern the thinking of the church more than our minor, though important, intra-church differences. The agenda becomes, God, we need you to have mercy on our nation. The issues that once seemed crucial to unity become secondary compared to the desperate conditions of souls travelling in droves into a Christless eternity. One of the things I've observed in the West in recent years has been the emergence of prayer movements that cross different streams, networks and denominations. In our own Enough initiative, we have begun to see others who are not part of our family of churches expressing interest in joining in. I love this and celebrate the fact that God does seem to be helping the church recover the joy and power of large-scale corporate prayer. I would love to see the 2,000 we began our Enough initiative with become 20,000 praying people across different time zones, places, churches and languages, yet all praying, as Jonathan Edwards said, for the awakening of the church in our town and beyond and the spread of the kingdom of God worldwide. What a prayer agenda. What a concept. Yet unity is not only something expressed between churches, but must first of all be expressed within a local church. Effectiveness in corporate prayer in a local church is closely linked with unity within that church. We are fighting the same enemy, and if the devil, through the activities of his demons, can divide the body of Christ, he knows he will hinder prayer. I believe he fears corporate prayer more than almost anything else, and this is why the devil attacks unity so much. He looks to create divisions in any corporate dynamic, whether between husband and wife, or within leadership teams, or amongst the wider church. Fractured relationships hinder the effectiveness of corporate prayer. In a local church, that normalises unresolved issues and brushes things under the carpet. A trend will develop which creates a culture or stronghold within the church. It will be very hard for corporate prayer to be effective because there is only surface unity. Ephesians 4.26 says, Do not let the sun go down on your anger. This is the principle we must operate out of. Pay attention to matters that affect local church unity. Don't let, in this case, anger remain in place unresolved and fermenting. The Bible is clear that there are two courses of action. Firstly, find grace to process it between you and God. It says in Proverbs 19.11, A person's wisdom yields patience. It is to one's glory to overlook an offence. In Proverbs 12.16 it says, Fools show their annoyance at once, but the prudent overlook an insult. 
Secondly, if it becomes clear that there is an issue internally that just won't go away, then follow the biblical pattern and talk to the person concerned, as in Matthew 18.15. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault, between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. The reason these issues matter is that the Holy Spirit can move unhindered where hearts are right with God and right with each other. Prayer meetings can be places where issues get sorted out. Often, as we pray together, forgiveness and unity can descend. I was in a prayer meeting recently where two leaders who had been holding different opinions on a strategic matter for some years suddenly felt the Holy Spirit move upon them and melt their heart for each other's blessing. They prayed for each other and released each other into the callings they both felt right to do. As a result of the Holy Spirit moving in a prayer meeting, suddenly many meetings to try and sort this out were bypassed. The tuning fork in God's hand had brought harmony from discord. Attitude matters because if it's wrong, it's like music being out of tune. First of all then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions and thanksgivings be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. This is good and it is pleasing in the sight of God, our Saviour. 1 Timothy 2, 1-3 Since prayer is at the bottom of all this, what I want mostly is for men to pray, not shaking angry fists at enemies but raising holy hands to God. And I want women to get in there with the men in humility before God, not primping before a mirror or chasing the latest fashions, but doing something beautiful for God and becoming beautiful in doing it. 1 Timothy 2 verse 8 When Paul is writing about key values and activities local churches should engage in, he says corporate prayer is a key element, but more than that, prayer in the right attitude. The condition of our hearts does affect the outcome of our prayers. He also references that the things we pray for from all people right through to kings and all those in high positions are how we should engage with politics and current affairs. Rather than developing cynical, sarcastic and overly critical hearts to all that is going on in the world around us, we should instead be so convinced that the best way to change things is to pray. That we avoid wasting time, effort and words on saying how bad things are and instead pour out intercession to God confident that he can and will change things. Engage with politics through prayer, not cynical satire. Devotion and discipline. Musicians love music. Whilst they might be fond of a particular favourite instrument, it is a means to an end. It is the love of music that warrants the instrument. In the same way, we do not love corporate prayer, we love the Lord, and our prayers are a way to express our love for him and draw nearer to him. This makes the effort required to pray more about the relationship than the act itself. Luciano Pavarotti said, People think I'm disciplined. It's not discipline, it's devotion. There is a great difference. Our devotion is to the Lord, not to corporate prayer. Each prayer meeting should and will feel different. It is like an engagement of musicians, the church, and the conductor, the Holy Spirit. We should prepare well. An orchestra does not play well, however good the conductor is, if there is not order and preparation for the concert. I believe prayer meetings need the most rigorous and detailed planning of all church meetings, yet we must also feel free to abandon our plans and submit to the Holy Spirit's leading. The point of planning is not to follow the plan rigidly, but to create a context where it is easy for God to move by His Spirit as we pray. Our plans yield to His, allowing space for something to develop and flow. We need discernment as to what God is doing in a meeting in order for this to happen. As musicians play, it evokes emotions from the conductor, the audience and other musicians. 
Everyone involved feels emotionally affected by someone else's feelings being conveyed through their music. Prayers are no different. I can recall many times I've been moved very deeply listening to someone else praying a prayer meeting. It's like they touch something in my heart that resonates with their prayer. Not only so, but we are told that our conductor, the Holy Spirit, also feels affected in the context of our prayer meetings. The Amplified Bible translation of Romans 8.26 expresses this very fully. In the same way, the Spirit comes to us and helps us in our weakness. We do not know what prayer to offer or how to offer it as we should, but the Spirit himself knows our need and at the right time intercedes on our behalf with sighs and groanings too deep for words. Both he and we all feel the emotion. I remember well some years ago when our local church was in its infancy, an evening when the youth group at that time I was a part in it met at someone's small terraced house. So many people gathered that they were sitting in both front and back rooms and up by the stairs to the landing. We began a time of prayer and worship, seeking God for his presence and purposes to unfold in the coming days. At one point, a worship song came to an end and spontaneously in one room a few people began to sing in the spirit using the gift of tongues. Their prayers to God in an unknown language began to spread as others in that room began to join in. Soon a wave of sound flowed like a pair of stereo speakers between the two rooms, then up and down the stairs as wave upon wave of unrehearsed and at that time very unusual prayers in tongues swept through the house. It felt just like a conductor waving his baton over a choir. The beauty, harmony, unity, power and emotion were something I've never forgotten. This collective impact was then followed by numbers of people praying in English for God to move. In this moment, I believe they were bringing a collective sense of what the Holy Spirit had been moving us to pray for. It was like a corporate interpretation, praise God. I think we often fail to recognise what happens after collective singing in the Spirit, as it is often called. I believe often God brings, as in Acts 4, a summary of what has been prayed collectively. These moments when God breaks in unexpectedly must be stewarded well. Such times cannot be planned for and our plans must yield when things like this happen. It's like a jazz virtuoso piece from heaven which suddenly takes centre stage. Unity is the orchestra getting in tune with each other. Careful planning and preparation is the necessary practice for the musicians. Openness to the leading of the spirit allows the great conductor to lead us. When it all comes together in the context of a church of prayer, is a beautiful sound and one I believe is pleasing to our Lord.